This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They are making me put a warning label on this podcast talking about adult language and adult situations. First of all, these kids are already adults. They've had phones in their hands from the time they were four years old. They're watching porn, they're smoking, they're cussing, they're having sex. But I have to warn them about my podcast? <laughs> Whatever. Electric acid. I'm running this shit. People are ducking behind cars and then he shot me in the ass. I was like, oh shit. And I had jumped over the car. The little fear was small. I rolled on the hood of it. I got up. I'm running. And that time he shot me in the hand and my hand blew up in my, up to my face. Hello, everybody. We are in for a wonderful edition of Nightmare Road Stories. And for those who are tuning in for the first time, we discuss nightmares that comedians have gone through on the road. Well, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. A lot of people are like, wow, I had no idea this much was going on inside the inner workings of your industry. Yes, there's a lot that goes on before we hit the stage. And there's a lot that goes on after we leave the stage. And we have the best in the business. Coming on this show today, Coffin. <laughs> man, my man, a thousand grand from the DC area is here today, Pierre. Everybody give it up for Pierre. Whoa, whoa, you, whoa, know whoa, from, whoa, whoa. you know him from everything. Deaf comedy jam, how to be a player for the love of money. Baps. You know, I mean, he's rock, rocking with Oscar winners. And, and and he's going to be an Oscar winner because he's just scratched the surface of where he's going next. And we're just happy to he- have him on. I'm just, thank you so much, Pierre, for coming on. I've been wanting you on for a while because you are just, you are one of my favorites. You know, I, I appreciate you it. Know, just the D.C. area. I've been watching your career since the beginning. And mm-hmm. you always had me cracking up, continuously funny, relatable. You know, everybody, everybody knows you're handsome. So, you know, oh. you, you, you know, handsome, you're working with true, Halle Berry true, and, you know, true, and true, Bill true, Bellamy. True. And I mean, you know, so you what? just, you, 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 charm life, charm life, charm life, charm life. People don't know in, in West Germany, born and raised, yeah, Pierre lived in Germany his first 11 years and I speaks two languages, will cuss you out in two languages. Three, 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 three. Uh, yeah. no, yeah, I, I speak other two. Get the fuck out of my face. Mm-hmm. German, English, and German, English, and DC. Yeah, you know, DC a whole different language. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah Baltimore is <laughs> a fourth language. <laughs> 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 Tell us about your background and how Germany led you to DC. 
And well, how DC led you to comedy? Well, actually, okay, yeah, it was almost the same. Damn, there was a long trajectory of the same bullshit. I was born in Texas, and two weeks later, we moved to Germany. My father was in the service. My mother's German. My father's a black man, and and he was in the service. So we moved to Germany when I was two years old. I lived in Germany, lived a pretty nice life of non-racism that I understood. You know, saw shit was cool and lovely. The shit, same shit you see on uh, Sound of Music and shit, cows and rolling hills and shit. And then when I was eleven years old, I got moved into the inner city of DC and died. Talking about a culture shock. God damn. It stole my bike the first goddamn day. Nigga, what the hell? Nigga said, let me use your bike. Okay, sure. I'm all German and shit. Lay the holes in the shit on me. Oh, no problem. Use my bike. You can ride it. Where are you going? You'll be back in an hour? Okay, great. And nigga still on our bike, okay? Okay, that was 40 some years ago. That nigga still on my damn bike. Dirty bastard and shit. So, yeah, I moved inside the inner city of D.C. I had to learn quick, boy, the change and stuff. I came with long, flowing hair like Prince on his first album. That was not the good look, okay, for a nigga in the hood, okay? Okay, please trust it, nigga. You're not, you're not supposed to look like that in the hood. And all them dark-skinned brothers was teasing me to my look like a girl and shit. Ah, you look like a girl. You look like a bitch. And I was like, damn, I wish my shit was nappy in the back like y'all's and shit. You know? I was praying for nappy-ass hair and shit. I want my shit to be beaded up like that, like y'all's and shit. <laughs> well, I need a ton of grease to get through that shit. Damn, y'all lucky and shit. I know, all I got is long-ass, luxurious hair and shit. Look like cotton candy, motherfucker. You dirty bastards. <laughs> No, they got your chops up for stand up. There you go. Okay. And I look like a baby Trump and shit. <laughs> my hands were like delicious cotton candy at 11 years old. That's bullshit. I moved in my cousin. He's you no know, black, black kid and shit. He went to get his hair cut. I went to get my shit dead and shit. Okay. There's a difference between getting cut and getting it dead, nigga. I had a hairbrush. And a blow dryer do my shit, okay? I'm up there listening to the other women gossiping and shit at, at Fantastic Sam's at Hair Pair. Remember Hair Pair, Alicia? Come on, yes. hair, yes, hair, hair, okay. Oh, yeah, you got you a different texture to go up and hair. What? what? But I have a question for you with a German mother. Do you eat at the Wiener Schnitzel? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Man. That's like to ask the Mexican if he had Taco Bell. Bitch, what's wrong with you? They're wrong with your ass. It's just the damn Wiener Schnitzel. That's some bullshit. That's your American. If a woman don't come out fat with some later holes and all this shit, and a goddamn bun, two buns in her hair, I ain't eating for no German woman. Let's look like that. Okay, when she got when she got hair on her chin and shit, I'm like, why would you like that? Bitch, that's, I'm at home now with some German food. <laughs> okay, so what? So you ate schnitzels though, right? Mm-hmm. And what other schnitzel, German food? Something called Klerschen. It's like potato. It's like a potato uh, roll ball. What else I had? I had not first curry burst. All the burst, nigga. It was the worst, nigga. You know? <laughs> I had all that. I, I, I look like <laughs> I look like Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at a young age. Nigga. I'm running through the town with a chocolate bar in my hand and, and, and got tempted <laughs> with some bread and shit. Okay, <laughs> I was. <laughs> Oh my god, what a life. What a life. So when you got to DC, did you get oh, chitlins shit. and hog mobs oh, and flashy oh. food? All I remember saying is, what is that? What is that? What is that? Into my age, my mom tried to feed me. I was like, what is that? We don't eat that. Bitch. That needs to go back to the trash, bitch. Like, that's, that's mac and cheese. Nigga, what's wrong with you? That's garlic green. Like, ah, I don't eat that. And, uh-uh, hell no, you know that shit right there. No, sir. And I grew up, my mother was kind of bougie. I ain't gonna lie. I had rabbit, turtle, and shit, you know. But I couldn't eat chitlins. Ain't that about a bitch? I'm like, no, no, I don't do chitlins. I eat a turtle for your ass. I ain't gonna eat no damn. I eat some turtle soup, but chitlins? Uh-uh. 
<laughs> How you gonna eat something that you gonna go right back to the same place you started from and shit? Okay. Hell <laughs> <laughs> <And>, no. <laughs> but being on the lighter complexion, did you start Ooh. feeling good when you saw Tran Mac and I'll be sure and uh, Christopher <laughs> Williams? How'd that make yeah. you feel? It didn't start off that nice, okay? <laughs> I had to wait to 87, 88 to feel good about that. I said, we're talking about the 70s when I came out of this bitch. It was not bad. I wasn't time back then. Time back, girl. <laughs> okay. No, sir. But no, but when 88 came around, wait, all I had to do was walk into a club and the girls was all up on me. Oh, I like your hair and shit. Come on, girl. Come on, let you boy and shit. All the dark skinned niggas want to be my friends and shit, want to hang with me. Like, like, nah, son, y'all beat me up for too many years that you ain't getting this reward now, nigga. This is hot, this hot season for me right now. Damn you. I'm taking it all my damn self. How did you transition into stand up? <laughs> What's called, we, we call it joning on the East Coast. Some people call it snapping, bagging, you know, ranking or whatever you want to call it. We're basically be capping on each other, talking about each other's clothes, face. Let me tell you something, white people. Your parents might send you out thinking you're the most beautiful kid, tell you how beautiful you are in society. And, and yes, black parents did that too. But when you hit them streets, you find out, nigga, your nose ain't right, nigga. Them teeth ain't correct, nigga. Them ears ain't, ain't even, mother. When you grow up in a black neighborhood, you find your defaults, okay? <laughs> or you can call your mama and say, oh, you're a beautiful child. Mama, they, what they say out in the streets, mother? Hell no. <laughs> so I had to lie. I had a longer head than I thought I had and shit. I was skinnier than I thought I was. I didn't know I was a whole bunch of colors from red, yellow, beige, <laughs> white and shit. You know, I was like, damn, I'm multicolored, nigga. I, I feel like a bit of time to add my damn self. <laughs> so it was, it, it was a little rough out there. So I had to learn that first. Okay. And then once I got good at snapping and joining, like I said, we do on the East Coast. Um, once that occurred, uh, that was kind of like in high, right, right, junior high and high school. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't come from, you know, my, my, my parents separated when I was about 12. My mother went back to Germany. And so it was just me and, my, me and my father. And it was some rough times back then. You know, we didn't have a lot of stuff. So I got a lot of cheaper clothes. I didn't have all the coolest clothes. So you got teased. I got teased a lot. And I had to learn how to defend myself. So I started doing that. And then I saw Eddie Murphy on TV. He did Delirious. And I was like, I want to do that. Whatever that is right there, I want to do that. Because the next day, everyone was talking about that. In the streets, in the stores. You see Eddie Murphy? Because he was hot on Saturday Night Live at the time. And he was just a man. And I was like, I want that attention. And I want that. And then I had to learn that Jonah was one thing. But now I got turned into, you know, material. And see, when I first started doing comedy, it was because I saw Deaf Comedy Jam. And I saw mm. all these people you know, look like me, some in my age range. And I was just like, wow, because prior to that, remember the black folks that got on TV was like Rondale Sheridan. Like it was a mm -hmm. certain kind of black guy that would get on TV. And they, they, you, yeah, mm -hmm. they were all Slash. like mm -hmm. Bill Cosby's, you know, mm -hmm. clean humor. They all talked about, you know, all of them had households mm -hmm. and families. And you never saw what you saw on Def Jam. I didn't sure, even know it amazing. existed. You know, because mm -hmm. those people were kept out of improvs and mainstream <laughs> clubs. Sure. So they had sure. their own underground club and was honing their, their expertise. And by the time we saw them, they were fired. Mm -hmm. They were just mm -hmm. jumping on stage improv and talking off the top of their head because they made it look so easy. Sure. So I said, Harvey can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. like, we can do, I can do that on the school bus every day in PG County. Mm -hmm. Jumped up there with no material. Now, where I started out at was on PJs. Uh, it was a little small room in a, uh, in a hotel, like a side of the Best Western or something off of a Suitland, somewhere around there. Yeah, and, Andrew's Air Force by Andrew Andrew's Air Force Base. Yep. And um, wow, I, you know, right over that wall is a bar where they blend in drinks and people talking. They mm -hmm. ain't paying no attention to the show. When you knew, you don't need any distractions. 
Right, First, sure. I had distractions, but I also didn't have any material because I didn't know I was supposed to prepare any. So I got up there doing jokes that I had told on a bus and doing things I had heard other people already do. And the good thing about PG County, the people were so bougie. They didn't boo. They just, it was just silent. Mm, 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 so mm, I you got my jokes to silence. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and I'm mm, like, sure. oh, I ain't funny as I thought I was. So I got mm -hmm. off and I was dressed to the nines. Remember back then, Pierre, we would get dressed up to do comedy. I had a skirt, pleated skirt with a matching vest, my hair was away. Woo, I looked like a million bucks without two jokes mm -mm. in my head. Mm -mm. Stockings, I had on stockings. Remember when girls used to wear stockings? I might even mm. slip on. Mm. And I ain't had no daggone jokes. Right, right, right. I remember that days. I remember. <laughs> no jokes. You know, so, so I stink because I didn't think I could do it, but I didn't know, no, you got to go write jokes and prepare material. These people aren't just talking up the top of their head. They, these jokes, before they put them on Def Jam, they have been doing them in the clubs for years. Sure, sure, you sure. Know, but that piqued sure. my interest. For you, it was Eddie. For me, it was Def Jam. So talk about your experience with Def Jam. What happened? I was, I was living in L.A. I just moved to L.A. And they had taped six shows. Before they even, you know, when, when people don't know, sometimes you, you tape a season before you air it. So a lot of these shows, you know, it's not live. So they taped six shows. And they had like Steve Harvey, Bernie Mac, Yvette Wilson, rest in peace. A lot of kind of other comedy, Ricky Harris. They did the six shows. Well, they did so well in the taping, you know, looking at them that HBO wanted six more to start before the season started. So they flew out and a guy named Bob Sumner. He flew out and he was he had a list of comics that they wanted them to look at. And I was the one of them. He had like four comics, and I was one of the comics. And let me say, you know, the club owner, Michael Williams, ran the comedy act theater. So come here, man. They're looking for comics. They ask for you. And let's no, no. He said, I, I recommended you on the list and go up there and do your thing. And I went up there. I rocked it. And so he got off stage. And Bob Simmons said, hey, man, you're going to New York to do Def Comedy Jam. Again, I wasn't that excited because I didn't, you know, it had never aired. So, I mean, I knew it was something, but I, I didn't know how big it was going to be. I'm like, all right, we're cool. I remember back then. You know, New York was known as being like a place to boo you. You better be funny. You better be funny. No attitude. You better be funny because of Apollo, you know. And um, so I remember going there and I was started, I started getting excited. Me on the plane, Simply Marvelous, D.L. Hughley was on the plane. Uh, was it Ralph Harris? Not Ralph Harris. Was AJ Jamal, AJ Jamal. So I was on the plane excited about going there. Like, oh, shit. I remember getting a per diem and shit. I got $150 per diem and shit. I was excited. Per diem is extra money for spending money for those who don't know. Yeah, that so was I had, um, you would ever get on comic view yeah, at the time. <laughs> hey, you didn't get paid for you didn't get paid one minute for comic view. Okay. But they gave me 150 bucks. So I remember having that when I got to the amp, you know, I got there to the to the to the hotel. The energy was just live at the hotel, checking in and everything, seeing all the comics and stuff. And you know, so I remember I had a suit. I had my clothes. Said, "Bring your clothes with you," so I had a little hanger. So they took you a little caravan. It was a place called the Academy Theater down off Broadway, downtown New York on Forty Third Street, but off of Broadway. And I remember it was cold and wet. I mean, cold and snow had been out and it was on the ground. And there was a whole lot of people waiting to get in to get into the theater before it started. And we had to walk past that whole line because it was on the side of the building. In the middle of the side of the building was the door to go into the the whole building. So we had to walk by them, and I, I had a little suit on and my little. Tennis shoes and shit from LA and shit. These Timberland boot wearing ass hood, hood, hoodie jump. And these are the females and shit. Okay, here, rough ass looking motherfuckers. I'm like, God, they're staring us down. Like, who fucking y'all? You know, like, you know, just give us the hardcore look and, you know, put a little throat. Like, I, I thought I was going on death row or something. You're dirty. You're dirty. And I'm cool with New York now. Back then, I'm like, you're some dirty motherfucker. So I, I had to walk past them. And what it was back then, I think we take five comedians and four aired. And the thing was, if you didn't do well, they weren't going to air you. So the pressure was kind of on your ass and shit to do well, your own show and stuff. And so I had my set and somebody didn't do well in front of me on my show. 
And I think they probably, think they probably didn't make it. And I remember thinking, looking at the back, I was like, oh, shit. They weren't really laughing. They were kind of like heckling them a little bit and stuff. I said, man, let me just go ahead and do my act so quick that I'm not giving them a chance to boo me. I'll just keep on going. Joke after joke after joke after joke. I already talked fast anyway, but I'm like, I'm speeding it up. So you don't have a chance to boo me. And so that's why, for those who've seen the first episode, I went out that sucker and just let it out. Butter. And people were laughing, but I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna keep on telling these jokes because you might not want to laugh and stop. And I ain't gonna be the one getting booed and not be hair and this shit. So I didn't need to massage the crowd and shit. I was still yelling comic. I was nah, you get these jokes, and then you can if you boo me at the end, that's like what it is. And it wound up becoming a classic set to some people, man. Because that joke I did about being shot at McDonald's, people just love that set, man. And they didn't realize I went through it quickly because I didn't want to get booed. And so you were really nervous. Did you have sweat rings under your arms? I I don't really remember that. I can't say I didn't, but I, I don't remember that. But I'll tell you what I did remember. At the time, I was 23 years old, and I was headlining black comedy clubs. You know, the little black one-nighters and spots. and something. We had about three or four comedy clubs. The Atlanta Comedy Club had some. We in Miami. And I was headlining. And Martin asked me, he said, uh, what do you want me to say, you know, for you? And I said, well, you know, I'm from D.C. Martin. You know, Martin knows me. And he's an arrogant motherfucker, you know, so I'll say that, you know, he's an arrogant nigga, so but it is what it is. But I said, I'm from D.C. So I was like, yeah, could you tell him that I'm the youngest black headliner? Nigga said, no, I ain't telling him that. I said, well, then tell him what you want to say, nigga. So whatever, whatever. So whatever you hear him say is what he wanted to make up. I was like, fuck it then, man. You ask me what you'll be saying. I'll tell you why what you say. He said, I ain't going to say that. <laughs> nigga, come on out of there, man. That bullshit. So, mm-hmm. uh, The very first time, I, I shouldn't have done Comic View when I did it. Because I'd only been doing comedy two years at the time. And a friend of mine was controlling the list and Mm. snuck me on the list. Mm. Mm. So I fly out of Miami, not just, oh, I got camera. I got my, like you said, you take all your luggage to the theater. I Mm. get to the theater and I look, they said, we're going to leave your stuff downstairs. We're going to show you guys the theater. We walk upstairs. I see rows and then I see an orchestra with more rows. The most I had played before that was the Ha Ha Cafe. Hell no. You talk about something, but that's when the realization of what I've just done kicked in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It looked like the Eddie Murphy Raw Theater. Mm-hmm, and true. I was two years in the game. Yeah, I broke out in a sweat. I didn't even know a body could react like that. <laughs> I'm sweating everywhere. Do you know that makeup lady had to redo my makeup like six times before I went on? She finally gave me a handheld fan. That I had to Hell put in no. front of me. I couldn't stop sweating. Sure. So sure. I was so nervous. So I went out there and I told a joke and Bruce Bruce was the host. And I told a joke about Bruce Bruce. You know, and so the audience like, woo, 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 woo. I was so new. I stepped on my last going on to the next joke. Sure, sure. Hell, man, sure. People understand the pressure and especially a pressure in front of a black audience. You know what I'm saying? That is a whole different beast. I wish sometimes black people would be as calm and nice as white audiences do. Because when white audiences disapprove of you, they'll just sit there. Black people are like, they mad that they spent their free money. Because they ain't spent no money to get in. They got free. They pissed off. You you messing their time up. You know what I'm saying? They want to start heckling. Like, you, you, you got in for free. It's still my time. And you ain't making me laugh. Boo! And niggas will boo you and what you got on. You want to say, look at them niggas. Show! Hell no! Boo! Like, hold up. So, 
And then they, and then they yeah, wonder why. Yeah, like, but they, they, stop, no, they stop practicing they boo three nights before the show. They drinking tea and bow, 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 bow. Black audience is the only audience I've ever heard him say when I'm walking past him before the show starts, you better be funny. What? <laughs> I better be funny. You better be a good audience. Man, what's wrong with you? Okay, you better you better be good. Uh, you better be a good audience. How about that? The hell wrong with you gonna get mad at me? Don't go, no, no, put that pressure on me. Don't put fear in me before I start the show off. You better be funny. Uh, white people always say, Man, I'm looking forward to seeing you. <laughs> I hope you have a great show. Not a black guy, black guy, you nigga shit. You nigga better be funny. <laughs> uh, and a guy and girl can be together, and the girl like, I think he I, I, I think that's the comedian right there. And, and the guy would be like, I don't know who he is. You coming to see the nigga? What you talking about? You don't give a fuck who he is. The fuck who that nigga? Fuck who that? Fuck that nigga over there. You mean the guy you come to see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, boy. That's my by, by, by time we make it, we be worn the fuck out. Okay. Yeah. I tell yeah. a black comic is finally made it. He's like, woof. A real black comic. You get about one good special, and then that nigga fan. He he he, all, he, he shell shocked this year. Like, oh. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. People be like, he mean or she mean? That's what they don't know what we'd have been through. <laughs> shit, okay. The hell wrong with us? Yeah, man. So, yeah, we got PTSD from a lot okay. of different arenas. Okay. Um, shit. Oh man. But all right, Pierre. Well, please tell us your nightmare rose story because you've been doing this thirty some years. So I know you got something crazy that happened to you on the road. I'm going to tell you something. I was a young comedian. I used to travel with all my homeboys. You go like four or five of us. You go out and hang out and stuff. They would come to my shows and stuff. And one night, I was 20 years old. I mean, my boys were heading to a show. But before we went to go to a show, we stopped by a McDonald's to get something to eat. And it was a place called Roy Rogers, too. It was across the street. So some of us wanted McDonald's. Oh, this was a Hampton Mall. Uh, Hampton, Hampton Mall. Hampton. Yeah. Okay. So, so we, yeah. we walked through it. We walked through the McDonald's. We knew a couple of girls at the thing. And some of us got some fries. The rest of us went to go. And we all continue to go to after to get the fries and whatever hammer to Roy Rogers with the Roy Rogers on the way back we decided to go through the McDonald's again and we came through the McDonald's and as we exited the McDonald's for the drive through they had a little gate so you don't walk right into the drive through you had a little gate there we walk around that and somebody was in some cars a whole bunch of people were in some cars and they almost hit us you know pulling through the drive through we were like hey hey motherfucker, what's wrong with y'all there's four or five of my boys and they started talking shit. And so our car was parked at the McDonald's. We had two cars at the McDonald's. And we were trying to get on the McDonald's. The cars that came out the drive-thru and came back around into the parking lot and started talking stuff. And they were Jamaicans. And see, in D.C., Maryland, there weren't no really Jamaicans, you know, when I was coming up. So that was kind of unique. Unless there were you no know, drug dealers. And they were talking trash. And the two cars left. Three guys stayed back, you know, stayed there. They, they drove. I don't know where they went, but they just were talking shit. And me and my boys were good with our hands. We wanted to fight. They didn't want to fight. They kept. But I found out later on they were stalling, you know, basically stalling. And they wouldn't never. Every time we got in the car, they kept yanking our car door open. We come out like, "What's up?" Put our hands up. They back all up and everything. And there's about eight cars in the parking lot at the time. And we get back in our car again. They come and yank the door open again. So it, eventually, we looked over my shoulder and I saw some guys come running across the street. Called Central Avenue. It was called Central Avenue. Came running across Central Avenue, and I heard one of the Jamaican guys just say "Burnham," you know. And I didn't know Burnham meant we're in between cars. You know, like five cars in a row, we're in between them. And I heard him say "Burnham," and next thing I heard, I heard a gun go off. Pow! And I thought it was a starter pistol because I'd never heard a real gun at the time. I thought real guns were what you heard like in, in movies, you know, bam, boom, boom. And she's like, pop, 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 you know, it's like a starter pistol. I thought the dude had a starter pistol, and it hit my boy. He said, oh, shit. And he pushed off and started running. 
And then another one got hit in the arm. Pow. And she said, ah, shit. And I saw, all of a sudden, I realized it was shooting going like a real gun was getting. So I just started running. We just, you know, just running anywhere. And there was some woods right next to the McDonald's at the time. And I got shot in the leg and I'm running. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, you know, dude, a brother came out while we were arguing. He came over like, no, come on, black man, stop arguing. Man. Get shot the fuck out. Get back in your car. Motherfucker. Get back in your car. You know, while we're doing all the arguing and shit. So I remember running. And I, I tried to dip it back into McDonald's, but I saw the, the, the manager locking the locks and shit, you know, click, click. I was like, oh, this motherfucker locking it up on it. Now, my heart beating the guy still shooting. Bah, bah, bah. And I'm running and shit. People ducking behind cars, and then he shot me in the ass. Bah, I was like, oh, shit. And I had jumped over the car. The little Fiero small. I rolled the hood of it. I got up. I'm running, and that time he shot me in the hand, and my hand blew up. And I looked at it, and it had all kind of meat and shit on my wrist and stuff like that. And I'm running. At that point, he had shot me in the leg, the back, and I. Didn't know it, but I feel like turning around to that nigga, hey, man, I ain't the only one out here. You can spread the bullets around equally. There's a lot more people out here than me to be shot. You know, you know, put three in me already, player. I got a couple of my homeboys who would hide behind some bars right there, and I want to pull my <laughs> homeboys out. Shoot him and him, too. Don't forget him. He came with me. You come together, we need together. Like we get shot together. And so that time I ran, my heart was beating like, oh, my God, you're going to kill me. I ran by the woods, and one of my boys was in the woods already. You remember Daryl? Comedian Daryl? Big tall yeah. Daryl? Him, yeah. that nigga, he wasn't the first one to start talking shit. He grabbed me and tried to lift me up and walk me across uh, Central Avenue on my shoulder. And we fell into medium and cars. And, yeah, yeah. I was, like, oh. I was like, shit, I have a New Balance tennis shoe at the time. It was $105. A lot of money in 87, okay? And I remember yes. the burgundy gray ones and shit. But DC people know we New Balance style. So he dropped me in the middle of the medium and shit. I was like, oh my God, lay there. My hand being swollen up, me hanging off, my, my leg is shot, the bullet went through my leg, my, my hip is shot. He picked me back up and walked me back across all this traffic. For those who know, it's four lane each way traffic on Central Avenue. So he gets me back to the McDonald's. I'm laying there. I'm like, oh my God. I start crying. I thought someone died. I thought when you got shot, you automatically died. And then the ambulance came and got me. I remember I told the young guy in the ambulance jump. I said, man, am I going to die? He's like, man, you're going to be all right. Like that. Like, you know, DC terminal. He wasn't like, yeah, we have the protocol. It's like, you're going to be well. He's like, man, you're going to be all right. And so I remember I was like, oh, shit. And when I got out the hospital, the first thing I wanted was my other damn New Balance and shit. <laughs> and they gave it to me. I had blood all on it. I was like, I need my shoe bag. Y'all run that shoe bag. I was like, you know, that's $55 right there of, of $110 pair of shoes. But you got shot at McDonald's when I was young. Mm -hmm. I hope my, I'm still tripping about the man locking the McDonald's up. He ain't going to let you come in the survival. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Mm -mm, mm -mm. He like, that need to stay outside there, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was another way to do a show, you know. So that's kind of a road story, you know. Yep, on the yeah. road, you know. That yeah, is a boy. road story. And and mm -hmm. did they ever find the guys who shot you? So here here's a crazy thing about it. Okay, so I started reading a book 20 years later. I started reading a book called The Shower Posse. I don't know if you heard of mm -hmm. Shower Posse, but I started reading about it. And they were talking about how they took over some places. You cannot be two Jamaican gangs in the same city. They'll kill each other off. You got to go to another city. Okay. At least back, back then. So I got shot in a place called Landover, in Landover, Maryland. I got shot in October of 87. Well, in January of 88, there was a big murder. Four people, four or five people got shot in an apartment complex across the street from Iverson Mall. No, Landover Mall, across from Landover Mall called Lansdowne Village. You can look it up. One of the Jamaican guys, you know, he's a killer. He's a hired killer. He'd fly in, kill people, and then fly back out again with the shower posse. And so that's like two miles away from where I got shot. Mm -hmm. Four or five months later, it's a Jamaican group. It had to be the same. I remember being Jamaican. So it had to be them because one of the Jamaican group, it wasn't Jamaicans around when I was growing up in Maryland where I was living at all. So to hear their voice, you know, I knew they were Jamaican. And the fact that 
you know, I think I know the guy who shot it because in the biography of the book, he's not the writer, but somebody who ran the whole crew and his son wrote the book. But they were talking about how that guy was killing around there. And he was responsible for that killing in Lansdowne Village, that particular guy. And so yep. it probably was him just a couple yeah. months earlier. No, none of my friends died. Thank God. I got four of my friends got hit or three plus me got hit, but nobody got killed. Okay, well, that, that's 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 good news. And like you yeah. said, it had to be him because the exact same MO. Yeah, oh, exactly. That fool, yeah. that, that fool was that fool was wilding, boy. He was wilding. <laughs> shit, yeah. When he said burn him, burn him, I was like, what the hell burn him again? I, I, I definitely know every Jamaican slang now. Okay. He was like, Oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> it felt like electricity for anybody ever been shot. I feel like electricity and then fire. Your body sends so much adrenaline to the spot that got shot, you know, rushes. That's why you can see people running who got shot. It's when you start calming down and your body's most sedate, that's what the most painful. Mm. I mean, I'm telling you. I was in pain for, 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 I mean, pain for weeks after that. And then I, I started getting afraid to be around crowds. I see four or five black guys in the corner. Some I'm walking around longer way and shit. This is what any loud noise you hear and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We All right. end on this. I want to play a quick game, which you call Would You Rather? Mm-hmm. So I ask you a question. You just tell me, would you rather? So would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great-great-grandchildren? Past. You'd rather go to the past and meet your ancestors. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I like stories of struggle, you know, or, or, or persevering when you persevere. And I, I'm just fascinated with history. I'm not really fascinated with the future. I watch the History Channel. I go to museums and watch old pictures, look at old pictures of how DC used to look or used to look like, wow, they had to change. So I'm fascinated more with the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like period pieces. Mm-hmm. So would you rather be stuck on a broken ski lift or in a broken elevator? Depending on what floor you're talking about the elevators in. On the 20th floor. Oh, hell no. Hell, give me a ski lift. Give me that ski lift. <laughs> Shit. Shit, no. <laughs> Would you rather put a stop to war or end world hunger? Mm, that's, that's actually a good question. Um, not everybody gonna say hunger, you know, hunger, but shit, they gonna be hungry always, nigga. Shit, I say war. Fuck it, nigga. Yeah, you know, if we ain't fighting, I, I can get, I can find you a peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can feed your ass and shit. You can get fed. Would you rather lose your keys or your cell phone? Mm-hmm. I'm leave my keys. I, I live a life from like uh, what do you call it? Keyless entry stuff. You know, my car's keyless and my, my house is. So, so we use keys. I who got keys out there? Nigga, really? We still doing keys, nigga? The fuck? Okay. They can look like a janitor out this motherfucker. Like, really? Nigga, 45 keys for what? You know, who got the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather have a cook or a maid? I cook very well. I clean, I clean good too. I'd rather have a cook. I'd rather have a cook. Yeah. And last question. Would you rather hear the good news or the bad news first? Bad news. I, I'm a problem solver. People call me all the time to solve their problem. They're going through something. So I'm kind of built for the negative, unfortunately. Tell me what's fucked up first. You know, let's get this through. And then we'll move on. I hate when someone tells you, you want the good news or the bad news? And you ask for the bad news. And the bad news is really bad. And the good news is the bullshit. Yeah, my mama died, but I won twenty dollars in the lottery, nigga. Is that what we talking about, nigga? You know, good news, motherfucker. After you told somebody, so your mama died and shit, you know, 
But, but I got twenty dollars. You want to twenty dollars lottery ticket? You don't get out of my face. That, that bullshit. And so I didn't know what one level is your ass thinking good news is. It better be equal to the bad news if you're gonna tell me fifty fifty. You know what I'm saying? Don't give me no bullshit. <laughs> shit. Oh, you, about to, man. You, you about to hear some more bad news after that? You give me that good news, okay? Okay. How about how about how about you want to hear two bad pieces of news today or one one good? And that good don't override that first bad. That that ass will be colored. Nigga, other people, I tell you. Well, thank you so much, mm-hmm. Pierre, for being a guest mm-hmm. on my Nightmare Road mm-hmm. Story show. I all—I mean, I knew we would have a good time. You had a bomb. Wow. And I wanted to find out two things, what you're working on and where people can find you. Almost all of it is Comic Pierre, C-O-M-I-C-P-I-E-R-R-E. But check out my podcast. It's really doing well. I got a, I got, it's more like a late night talk show. We have a couch and I've had everybody from Country Wayne to Akon, Pastor Troy, you know, everybody on my show. It's a great show. Everybody's asking me like, what's the difference between your podcast and everyone's podcast? Nigga, me. Okay. <laughs> Goddamn host. That's the difference. Okay. If you, that's enough. Okay. I'll give them, I'm in a room in a box and shit. It's me talking to someone else with my sense of humor and how I am. But one good thing is most of the guests I know. So I ain't afraid to ask them personal questions and go deep with them and stuff. And I could truly say, they always say they have a good time. Like, come on, let's come back again. Killer Mike is next. You know, I have some people. And I think I'm so blessed that people respect me. I don't know how much they respect me. They're like, man, I do your show. Hell yeah. I'm like, really? You know, like, I didn't know they would come and do my show. I still am a little humble about my situation, but they are very sweet to come on my show and talk about crazy stuff. So it's called Pierre's Panic Room. Go to YouTube, put in Comic Pierre, whatever. Check it out. And if you check it out and you liked it, you got to tell me you heard me on here in the comments. And I'll say something to you in the comment if you tell me you came there because you heard it from here, you know, from your show, Alicia. Thank you so much, Pierre. I appreciate mm. you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this mm-hmm. and continue success. Thank you so much. And same here, girls. Thank you. You know, I'm always, I always got you, girl. I got you. Okay. With DC, right. with DMV partners. All right, girl. Thank you so much. Tell your crop crew. Thank you so much. They're very professional. And I will holler at y'all later. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Nightmare Rose Stories. And up next, we have Flame. Yes. Flame Monroe, you do not want to miss it. Nightmare Road Stories is a production of Electrocast Media. Our executive producers are Mark Netter and Peter Rafelson. Our producers for this episode are April Simmons and John Lafferty. Theme music by Amir Oshalot. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please give us a rating and tell your friends. If you don't like the show, still give us a rating and tell your friends. Until next time, I'm your host, Alicia Cooper, and keep your ears on the road. Electric Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's just No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. 
I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.